Uh, John Stewart, Reverend John Stewart, is with us today from Erdo. Now, raise your hand if you know what Erdo is. Anybody? Okay. Raise your hand if you've heard of Erdo, but you don't know what it is. Okay. Okay. Okay. We're getting there. So, Erdo is the a humanitarian relief arm. I guess he, uh, John will describe it better, but a humanitarian relief arm of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. And uh, our church is affiliated with the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. And so, uh, for example, last year when the war in Ukraine started, uh, that was heavy on the hearts of a lot of our people, still is, of course, uh, but we were at that time uh, able to raise funds to send to Ukraine just as humanitarian relief, just simple uh, food, uh, money for food and shelter and those kinds of things for people, refugees. And uh, so we, we sent that money to Erdo. So when we raised that money, we said, we're going to send this to Ukraine. Ukraine is going to go through Erdo. So we sent that money off to Erdo. And uh, that money goes directly to partners. No money gets taken away, right? Some charities, you lose a percentage because of administration, all that kind of stuff. Erdo, 100% of the funds goes to the people that need it on the ground. And uh, so anyway, so that's what we did there. And you, uh, John, you told me earlier, I don't want to blow your secrets, but it was 42000 Over $43,000 this church has sent to Erdo over the years. All right? So that's pretty amazing. All right? So we're happy to do that, and we actually send money to Erdo every month because people give to Erdo every month here through our church. So we send money monthly, and that gets dispersed, and uh, we've had special causes over the years, all that kind of stuff. Anyways, so would you welcome John, give him a good Northern Life Church welcome, and he's going to share it today. Thank you. So there goes four of my pages of notes right there. And no, just teasing. That's Thank you for that introduction, and it's a pleasure to be here with you today. My wife and I are here. We are staying at Manitoulin Island this summer, and uh, I get to come out and work remotely, and so that's why I'm here today. Glad to be with you. Uh, Pastor Jason invited me to come and talk a little bit about Erdo, and I'm thrilled to do that. Now, I didn't get to see the hands because I was facing the wrong way. How many of you know all there is to know about Erdo? May I see your hand if that's you? How many know a lot of Erdo? You kind of have a good understanding of it. Okay, great. How many of you would say, I, I, I have never heard of Erdo and I don't know what it is? Okay, for the, we're going to have an altar call after the service for those people. Uh, but Erdo isn't, do you know what Erdo means? What Erdo stands for? Erdo stands for Emergency Relief and Development Overseas. And as Pastor Jason said, we are the humanitarian arm of the PAOC, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. I thought today I would just walk through a little bit of uh, just some of the vision and mission, the origins, and then end up with this sermon. Up, uh, Pastor Jason, you said if I get everybody out by 1.30, it's good. And so I hope you're okay for that today. Um, how many, I'll tell you about the origins of Erdo, first of all. We can move to the next slide. The origins, it started in 1983. There was, a, there was a drought in the Horn of Africa. Probably some of you remember the Ethiopian famine in 1983. Some of you weren't born in 83, I get that, but the rest of you would remember. And uh, Bob Geldof wrote a song called, Do They Know It's Christmas Time at All? And uh, that song was written not by Erdo, but it became a, a fundraising tool. Well, Erdo formalized our humanitarian efforts at the exact same time in response to that crisis. And uh, so that's when Erdo began. Uh, the mission of Erdo, I'll just quickly run through this with you. It's a Christian organization um, passionately responding to the practical needs of people living in poverty or in crisis around the world. That is our mission. We want to be able, as Pastor Jason said, to meet the needs in Ukraine or wherever a crisis might come up at that time, and we want to be able to be there on the ground making a difference. Our vision is we seek Christ-motivated community, 
and individual transformation by meeting basic human needs and fostering social, economic, economical, and, and spiritual potential. Now, Erdo is actually, you know, it comes from a PAOC and our Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, and it's a missions movement for sure. The Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada is a missions movement. But how many know that if people starving to, are starving to death or if their homes have been swept away by a tsunami or something, how many know that you can't just go and say, oh, I'm praying for you, let me share the gospel with you? I mean, those are important things to do, absolutely. But people sometimes don't care what we know until they know what we care. And if their stomachs are empty, they're not going to be able to hear because they'll be growling. They won't even be able to hear the words that you're saying. And so Erdo is seeking to touch and meet those needs every day to the people that we're ministering to. Friends, if you've heard about Erdo, you may know already, but just in case you don't, Erdo has got such a great reputation outside even of our denomination. I mean, I think Erdo is a great organization, and you've given $43,000 to it over the years, so you must think it's great too, but it has an excellent reputation outside of the Pentecost Assemblies of Canada. The, the federal government off, often offers matching funds. When there's a drought or a situation somewhere in the world, the PAOC will work through Erdo, and the federal government will offer matching funds. There's something called the Canadian Food Grains Bank. It's a humanitarian uh, part that we are a part of, and they will offer matching funds in order for us to uh, make a difference in the world. Why does the government do that? I was telling somebody the other day that, that the government matches. They said, well, I don't trust the government. They're, they're, they're not doing a lot of things right. Anyway, I said, yeah, but if, if a Christian organization was not an organization with character, there is no way in the world the government would give us any money right now. How many know that? that's true in our day and age. They would say, forget the church. We're not going to deal with them because they're not on. They know the value that Erdo brings, and so they're happy to line up with us. It's not just the government, though. Charity Intelligence Canada rates Erdo as a five-star charity. It's financially transparent. We are, they say. It has good results reporting grade, and is, they've given us a, a good impact rating. And for years and years, McLean's Magazine did a, uh, did a census and a, and a comparative with all the different organizations, humanitarian. Erdo always ranked so highly on that, a top 20% of all the charities in Canada in making a difference. Uh, now, I'll just tell you about one thing. Pastor Jason, I, I said the matching funds take place. Right now, there's a drought in uh, Somalia. I don't, you may not even hear about it on the, on the uh, radio or the television very much, but there's, or the papers. There's a drought in uh, Somalia. To this extent, the government is offering a four-to-one match on all dollars that are raised toward. Isn't that incredible? So I'm going to do the math for you. Uh, if, if, if, let's say you give me $100... Okay, you say, John, this is for Somalia. Here's $100 for you to use. Friends, that turns into $500, your 100 plus the Ford match. It is an incredible opportunity. 50% of the Somalian population right now is starving. Erdo, with some other organizations that we're partners with, we've been feeding families, 1,000 families, since January, making a difference. And that's just one example of what's taking place. Every year, Erdo uh, distributes $9.3 million. Isn't that incredible? $9.3 million in resources to help people. We serve about in an average of 30 countries a year. Erdo's making a difference. We care for 8,300 Child Care Plus sponsored children. 
and we respond to crises as they occur. This year, you know, Pastor Jason mentioned the war in Ukraine. More recently, even although that's ongoing, was was Turkey and the earthquake that took place, and as I mentioned, the drought in Somalia. We work together with, with all of our global workers. The strength of Erdo is that it's not just like some of the other humanitarian organizations say, here's $50,000, deal with the problem. The strength of Erdo is that our missionaries, our Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada missionaries, are the ones that are administering the funds. So if there's a child care plus situation where we're sponsoring children, it's one of our family members, our Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada family members, that are there saying we need to meet the needs of these kids that are living in abject poverty. When we're, when we're looking after wells or when we're trying to rescue women from, from sexual slavery, it's our Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada missionaries that are making a difference personally on the ground doing it. There's accountability. And that's one of the great strengths of, of, uh, of, the, of Erdo. I, I'll tell you this, too, that sometimes a crisis will break out where one of our missionaries is not. You know, you got, we have about 250 to 300 global workers at one time that are on the field. Sometimes a crisis will happen where PAOC has no missionaries. We have 33 international partners. That we, that we trust, church organizations from other countries, humanitarian organizations that we're partners with. And so if a need arises, either we have a missionary in the ground right there or one of our partners do. And the reality of that is that we can get money into the accounts the next day and begin to meet those needs that have been presented. Let me show you a couple videos today, three or four minutes each. The first one is about the response that Erdo uh, has made and, and, and you have made by your giving uh, to, the, to the earthquake that hit uh, Turkey. Can you take a look at that if you would? Yani şimdi herkesin aslında aklında belki yarın başka bir şey yapacaktı ama bir anda kimse bilemez yani yarın deprem olacağını veya başka bir şey olacağını. Bir bakmışsınız ki yani şu an buradayız. Benim şu anda okulda olmam lazımdı. Veya şu an evde olmam lazımdı ama hayat böyle. Yapacak bir şey yok. İleriyi göremeyiz. Geleceği göremeyiz. Deprem başladığında çok garip bir hissim olmuştu. Yani şaşırdım aniden. Sonra annem deprem olduğunu söyleyince öyle bir korktum ki. Arabada kalmak, yani uyumak bayağı zordu. Çünkü dik bir şekilde ya burada oturduğum gibi uyumak zorundasın. Birkaç gün sonra da işte camiye geçmek zorunda kaldık. Yani arabada daha fazla kalınmaz. Üçüncü depreme biz camide yakalandığımız ama çok sallansak da herkes sanıyormuş ki sanki top gelmiş gibi sanıyormuş onlarda benim isim gibi. Sonra ben deprem olduğunu anladığım gibi herkesi ben kendim teker teker çıkardım ama en sonunda kendim çıktım. Sonra cam yıkılacak gibi olmuştu. Hemen ben de çıktım. Herkes uzak yerleri götürdüm ve cami yıkıldı. Yani tarih tarihte yüz binlerce ölü verdiği depremler de var burada. Ama insanları buranın 
umut dolu insanlar. Ben buraya tekrar dönüp bu bölgeyi inşa edeceklerine yürekten yanıyorum. Biliyorum yani bunun böyle olacağını da biliyorum. Hem de harita çizmek yolu şeyinde olsak da insanların buraya tekrar gelip mükemmel olan sosyal hayatı tekrar kuracağına inanıyorum ben bu bölgede. The best way for us to be praying as a church globally is for the world response to continue that people won't forget about this tragedy in a couple of weeks time when the news has moved on these people's needs will still not have been met we're giving them food and clothing and, and water and, and other things but what they really need to do is rebuild their lives what we're also doing is working with the church locally and the church is right here being active saying we're here we're we're trying to find everything that you need but we're also being a friend in need at the same time So that's a little bit of some of the crisis response that take, is taking place in Turkey. And you understand what they're saying there is they're, all, they're meeting the needs, but they're also trying to help people get on with their life. They're working on community development. Uh, Erdo is also really heavily involved in Child Care Plus sponsorship. Child Care Plus is our, is our sponsorship program of children that are living in great need, abject poverty. Um, children from the ages of zero, like less than a year to 18 years old, are cared for by Child Care Plus. And they're making a difference. And I could tell you about it, or I could let one of our global workers tell you, Tiffany Rowley. I want you to listen to pay attention to what's happening in Child Care Plus, if you would. We're in Sainsuk village, which is a village with over 10,000 families, and we are in village number five, which has 20,000 families in this tiny little area. I am global worker Tiffany Rowley here in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Here in Cambodia, my main role is Child Care Plus, and we have 13 different CCP communities throughout the country in seven different provinces. And what that looks like is you as a sponsor would sponsor a child for $41 a month through Child Care Plus and that provides education, school supplies, school uniforms, a nutritional supplement each month, medical care, and all the way through to post-secondary uh, college or a trade. And so those are all the things that my office take care of here in Cambodia. The communities that we work with here in Cambodia range from rural poverty to urban poverty. And so we have a big dynamic amongst the children and the families that we work with. And uh, in this community in particular, which is where we are today in Sainsuk, uh, the communities here do not have access to their own land. They have no land rights. Water and sanitation is very difficult. Some have it, some don't. And so we are working directly with those families, not just to alleviate some of the physical aspects that they are walking through, but to bring holistic development to who they are in Christ as well. The chiefs and the elders of these communities are coming to us and they're wanting more kids in the program. And it's because they see that the families of CCP are different than the families in, the, in their surrounding areas. And I'm happy to say that that is because of a transformed life, because of the gospel. When you sponsor a child, you're actually able to stop this, not only the cycle of poverty through education, but through the family dynamics, you are able to stop human trafficking. 
When a mom comes to know the Lord, the value of life changes for that family. She will no longer allow her kids to be put in vulnerable situations. She will no longer allow them to be sold for sex. Um, the dad, when he comes to know the Lord, all of a sudden has a value for his wife and his children. And so child sponsorship is essentially ending the cycle of abuse in various forms here in Cambodia. We're right at the very cusp of having our CCP kids graduate grade 12, go to post-secondary, go to university. And already, even though they're in their university studies, they are giving back to their community through teaching English and music in the church or in the community, in the community center. And they have a desire to see the families in their communities where they once were to also be changed as they are being changed. To those of you who've sponsored kids currently and in the past through Child Care Plus, I want to say a huge thank you. Your investment is for the children of tomorrow. These kids are growing up knowing the Lord and wanting their nation to be changed, not just for Him, but in the physical sense as well. They are not satisfied to have the Cambodia that they grew up with be the Cambodia of tomorrow, and they desire change, and that is what's going to happen. So there are three stool, three legs of the Erdo stool. One of them is crisis response. I showed the video about Turkey. The other one, the second one is Child Care Plus. The third one is community development. You heard Tiffany talk about that. When a child comes to Christ, when a father, when a mother comes to Christ, the whole community is transformed. Every time I hear, I hear this video, whenever I speak, I show that video by Tiffany. And every time she says when there is... When a mother gets saved, she'll no longer sell her child for sex. I start, I, I get choked up about that. Like, we can't even imagine that. And yet, that's an economic reality for these people. That's the community development that takes place. We, we, there's transformation that takes place in communities as a result of what Erdo is doing and the difference they're making. And not only do people come to Christ, but we help them out with teaching farming techniques. If, they've, if their community has been raised by an a, a earthquake and destroyed by, uh, by the elements of uh, emergency like that, we'll help with implements. We'll help them get back up on their feet again to get back in their homes if we ever can. One of the things we do, it's through the 365 Project, we call it, where we help women every single day of the year. That's what it means. Because, you know, Canada has a problem with equal pay for women, which is not right. You know, uh, we should be paying everybody equal for an equal job done. That's a first world situation. It's a real situation. But you heard what the, Tiffany said. Women take a brunt at a far different, take, take the brunt at a far different level in these third world countries where they are sold to, into sexual slavery in order to meet a need. We want to support them. Erdo wants to see those women rescued from that lifestyle and set up with a brand new life. And I want to say, and, and Pastor Jason, you did steal my thunder about the money. Thank you. You've been so generous. You have given uh, over 43000 over the years to various needs. And I want to say thank you about doing that. And thank you for your kindness and generosity. Anyway, that is my report. And now let me go in, if I can, to hopefully what will be a 15-minute message at the longest. Because I know we've got kids that are getting tired of me, or they actually were about five minutes ago tired of me. But anyway, how many of you had your morning coffee today? How many of you had a morning coffee? How many of you look forward to that? How many know the pain of a caffeine headache? And you know that when you don't have one? Sure. I'm going to pray for addictions after the service. So if you just put your hand up, that's great. How many can relate to feeling hangry?
hungry, when you haven't quite had enough to eat and, and you're upset, yeah, some of you are honestly mean that. I can do that as well. Uh, although I say all the time, I'll say I'm starved. Oh, man, am I ever hungry? I want to tell you, I do not think I've actually ever been starved in my life. I don't think ever my body has started to cannibalize itself in order for me to stay alive. Now, I say I'm starving, but then I can go to my fridge, which is fairly full, and then look at it and complain, oh, there's nothing to eat. You, you, you know what I'm talking about, I think. You know, it's interesting because on New Year's Day, we do things like we set New Year's resolutions, right? And one of them is like, I'm going to go on a diet. I am going to lose weight, right? That's a common thing. I want you to know that I, I have kept all my New Year's resolutions this year. They're in a piece of paper in my top drawer. I've kept every one of them. But anyway, no culture in the history of the world has ever said in the middle of winter time. Let's lose weight because it'll be healthy. No, people are trying to bulk up when it's cold. But in Canada, in North America, we're on, we go on these starvation diets. Nobody else does that. And I want you to know that we, we have so much food, we have food to waste. Can I tell you that I know Jesus came into a very different world than that? I don't know if, if we know what it's like to be one or two days away from starvation, but that's the world Jesus entered. That was the kind of experience Jesus himself had when he was tempted in the wilderness for food without food or water. And that incident happened for a couple of reasons. I'm sh reasons that I don't know, but I would like to say that, uh, that one of the reasons that Jesus faced that was to know in his bones the feeling of hunger that he was trying to minister to. With no energy in his body and weakness in his limbs, Jesus got to know firsthand how hungry the world was. And it's no wonder that Jesus, when he taught his disciples to pray, said, teach, uh, give us this day our daily bread. He knew what that was about. In his worldview, that was essential. We don't understand that. Because if we don't have bread, we'll have a bag, we'll have a muffin, we'll have whatever. But that's not what Jesus faced. He was not living in a wonder bread society. He was the bread of life. And since we've never really been hungry, it's hard for us to relate to what Jesus was talking about. But I want us to think about Jesus meeting the needs of a hungry world today. Let me start by saying we can't lose sight of the needs of others. We can't lose sight of the needs of others. A lot is made of, uh, by those who want to poke holes in Christianity about the fact that the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're so different. They don't all include even the same stories. Well, there are two miracles that are all four Gospels tell us about. And one of them is the feeding of the 5,000. Would you let me put some of the details together today so I don't read all of the passages? And I, I won't read from all four accounts. But different, different details are included. First of all, from Matthew's Gospel and Mark's Gospel, we have two separate reasons why Jesus and his disciples went into the wilderness. Matthew's Gospel, they had just heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded. They were sad. They were sorrowful. And they were just so upset they went out. And sometimes we can relate to that. When we go through a difficult time, their sadness drew, uh, sent them to a solitary place. And maybe you have responded that same way at times. But we also crave community. In Mark's gospel, there's a different reason why they went. They were exhausted. 
we read that so many people were flooding around Jesus and the disciples. Pastor Jason, when you were at camp as the camp pastor, you maybe got tired at some point of everybody saying, hey, talking and asking you questions, and you got to keep asking, yes, I don't know why your lease went up. I don't know. You know, whatever the questions are, we get tired sometimes when there's pressure coming against us. And they got away, and Jesus said, let's get away to be restored. So they went, but then their solitude was interrupted, wasn't it? Because thousands of people, 5,000 men plus women and children followed them, hoping for some solitude, but surrounded with the irritants. So how does Jesus respond to the crowd of people? Not with irritation like, like the disciples probably felt. He was compassionate. Jesus, when he saw it, before he fed the crowd, he did a couple things. First of all, he healed all their sick. Second thing he did was he taught them. He taught them they were, they were sheep without a shepherd. They were lost, scared, and vulnerable. And while one of the Gospels says that Jesus taught them many things, another specifies that he taught them about the kingdom of God. Friends, that teaching was good news to those people. They, they were broken and weary people. They were... They were they were beaten up by the political leaders that they were living under at the day, and, and they did not feel a sense of community or the kingdom of God. They wanted to be part of that, and Jesus said they could be. But when it started to get late, the disciples realized that when the sun went down, these people wouldn't have an opportunity to go get food. It wasn't like here in town where you got Cortina's or you can, you can go to Kentucky Fried Chicken or, or the Chinese food restaurant or wherever. It, it wasn't like that. They had no options to go buy stuff. And so they approached Jesus. Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell us that they, out of concern for the people, approached Jesus and said, let's, let's uh, send them to find food. But Jesus says, no, you feed them. Gospel of John tells the story differently. Not, not necessarily contradictory, but in John's account, it's Jesus who brings up the conversation about food. He says to Philip, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? And then John provides this little side note. He said, Jesus only asked him to test him, for he already knew what he was going to do. He asked Philip, where should we get bread for these people? And, and then John, and, and, and then the disciple Philip answers Jesus, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. It's interesting, friends, because Jesus asks a question at one level, and Philip answers it at another level. Pastor, author, seminary professor Mark Buchanan says of this exchange that Jesus was asking a where question, but Philip answered a how question. Jesus was asking a faith question, but Philip answered with a logistics uh, perspective. Friends, I think that many of us are missing Christ's invitation to join him in God's mission in the broken world because when he asks a where question, we answer with a how response. The need is too big. My little contribution won't be enough to make a difference. That's the how. And that approach won't solve the question that God is asking us. See, too often when we boil down the question, we, we get down to, well, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to get enough volunteers to make this program work? How are we going to make this facility act and look like it should act or look? Friends, I think that when we're obsessing over the how, what we're really doing is assuming that God is unwilling to meet the needs of a broken world. And that it's up to us with all our clever smarts, with our resources, with our capacities and our budgets to make the problem go away. See, when God asks a question of us, friends, we can already see 
in it what he wants to do, what he has in mind. He's testing us. I think sometimes we miss the kingdom of God because we're asking how. How is it going to happen? Friends, I want to encourage you to be willing. And I want to encourage you to be faithful in this place. When you're serving here with Pastor Jason and the leaders, when the vision is coming for something exciting, and he and I have not had any conversations about anything, I'm just speculating as a former pastor myself, don't obsess over the how, but say, I'll go, send me, let me make a difference. The next thing I want to tell you is that uh, you have to be willing to give whatever it is that you have. Jesus asked the where question, and there's one kid in the whole group that says, I, I can help you. Notice that Andrew still wanted to bicker over the how. How is this little bit of food going to feed all these people? But Jesus is uninterested in the conversation. He had what he needed. He had one little boy that was willing to step up and make a sacrifice of what he had for the sake of what Jesus wanted to do. Friends, all Jesus needs is one person to say yes and make a sacrifice. It's unbelievable what can and will happen if just one person with faith will take what they have and give it. You can tell me by looking, you can tell I mean by looking at me that, uh, that I don't mind eating, okay? Uh, my shirt is not tucked in. It's not just a fashion statement. It's not tucked in. If I was the one in the crowd of 10,000 people with, honestly, with enough foresight to pack lunch, I probably would have not been like the boy. I would have made an excuse thinking, why didn't they bring food? Why do I have to provide food for all these people? And I'd say, you know what? I hear my mom. She's calling. I've got to go right now. Well, one boy's willingness, because of one boy's willingness, the kingdom began to break out. The crowd got to see a visible demonstration of what Jesus had been teaching them. Friends, God's kingdom needs only two things. It needs someone to say, yes, I'll sacrifice. And then it needs someone willing to say, okay, I'm in on this, and to start serving. That's what it takes. That's why Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, 17, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, on the sacrifice and serving service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Jesus, Paul is saying, whenever I see sacrifice, whenever I see service, whenever God sees those things, then God has something in his mind to do, and we just need to get in on it. The last thing I want to say to you today is get ready to say yes to God. Get ready to say yes. When the kingdom can go forward and people begin to say yes to God, not making excuses, not reducing the kingdom of God to our strategy, our capacity, and our resource, but just saying yes to God. As impractical as it might seem, we find that three things happen. First, everybody gets what they want. The Bible stories that tell, tell us today that, that everybody got as much to eat as they wanted. Secondly, nothing gets wasted. That's part of the story as well. And third, there's more than we need. There's more than enough. But sadly, the opposite is also true. Whenever people evade the mission of God, you'll be chronically dissatisfied. You'll never have what you want, and you'll waste a lot, and you'll never have enough to go around. You ask me what I'm basing this on? I was a lead pastor for the past 21 years, and I've seen it happen firsthand. So my question to you about meeting the missional needs of the kingdom is this. Which mentality will we take? I believe that Jesus is speaking to the church universal. He's speaking to Northern Life Church. Because I don't think you've and I've ever even begin to see and imagine the things that God wants to do here and in Little Current as you spread the message of hope to those that are in this region. 
I think that the week every one of us is, is going to have, this week we're going to have opportunities, all of us, where Christ is going to confront us personally. He'll ask us a question. And I want to encourage you not to boil that down to a how question, because if you do, you'll miss out on what God wants to do. Friends, I think we need to have the heart of that young boy and respond, yes, use what I have. I want to give it. I don't want to waste it. I want it used. You know, I, I can only imagine, and Pastor Jason, I wish I could be here for that bit baptismal service because there's nothing better than a baptismal service right it's an exciting time and and you know i know that churches exist to see people come to christ isn't that right i didn't talk to you ahead of time about this pastor jason but but your budget your whole budget is given in order to make a place where people can be discipled come to christ and be discipled how exciting it is for people and i know it costs money a lot of money sometimes I want to tell you an incredible strategy that you can be part of in order to see people come to Christ. Uh, there's something, as I talked about early, and my time is almost gone, I know, so I want to go quickly here. Um, Child Care Plus is something that I talked about. It's our, it's our sponsorship that takes place of children. The plus in Child Care Plus refers to this. People come to the church, they meet with our Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada missionaries, and then the plus is to hear the gospel. And friends, studies will tell you that one child, when one child comes in a sponsor, they, they come to know Christ. Isn't that great? And when one child comes to Christ, four family members, on average, come with them and get saved. So I encourage people all the time, would you consider sponsorship because of this? It is something you can do. You are giving to this church. You're touching the needs in this area, in Little Curd on the island. I know that's happening. You want to be part of something else as well? Consider sponsoring a child. I have in my hand, uh, I have in my hands now, uh, two of the sponsored children, that, children that need sponsorship. I have a little girl named Erica who was born in 2015, a little boy named Adil Martin who was born in 2016. And these kids have so little in life compared to what we have. So, uh, so for $41 a month, we can change Erica's and Adil's life. $41 a month. You'll see them come to know Christ. I want to say this. I want to say this, and I hope it makes sense as I share it. How many of you know that we are blessed to live in this country? Isn't this an incredible country to live in? So my question to you as we think of a sponsorship is, is, is what did you do to deserve to be born into this, in this area? Did you do anything to deserve to be born in Canada? I had nothing to do with it. My parents are totally responsible for where I was born. But and I was ble I'm blessed as a result of it. So Erica and Adil, as I get ready to close, they're living in a country where they're not blessed like we are. What have they done to deserve that? Nothing. We're not, we're not blessed because uh, we're, we deserve it. We're blessed because we were born here and God has blessed us. These kids don't have that same blessing, friends. And I want to encourage you, whether it's giving to Somalia, whether it's giving uh, to some, your church is already so faithful, but maybe personally, individually, you'd like to give. I'd love to talk with you at the table afterwards. We're going to transform people. How many of you would be willing to take the treasure that God has given us, like the little boy's lunch in the story I told today, and invest it in the kingdom by saying, here I am, Lord. I don't know how this is going to work, but I don't need to know. You know what there is. And I just want to be part of it. Lord, thank you that we can look at your word today. Thank you for the faithfulness and the stories in Scripture which point us to truth that you have. And I pray today, God, as a church, that this church will continue to be blessed. Lord, as people keep tithing, keep giving to this church, Lord, I know you will bless it. 
Lord, I pray, and I thank you. Lord, I pray you continue to bless them for their generosity to Urdu as well. We ask these things, Lord, in your name. Amen. God bless you, friends.